record. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Root Issues podcast. I'm gathered here today with some lovely people, and we're doing a little differently today. It's right after the service, so we're all fresh right from the from the message. Um, if you guys want to just say hi real quick, make sure everyone knows who's here. Howdy, howdy. It's Jeff. I was an audience member today. Hey, um, it's Lexa. I was also an audience member. And howdy, howdy. Steve. And what were you today? I was the... Um, Presenter. A presenter. <laughs> the spokesperson of the Lord. Not an audience member. So good. <clears throat> yes, sir. The man, the myth, the legend. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Luke here. Um, so, <clears throat> new, new, new season, new chapter, I guess, new, new book, Ephesians. Um, a pretty amazing book. Um, all of Paul's books are pretty uh, extraordinary. But what, Inspired by God, almost. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what yes, what brought you to Ephesians? What kind of led us to this book, and why are we diving into this one? Yeah, it's a great question, Luke. Um, <clears throat> you know, Ephesians, uh, uh, it goes all the way back to actually seminary. It was the first book I actually got to study, you know, kind of the Greek in, and, uh, in wow. seminary. So I think from then it just kind of caught me. But uh, larger than that, it's always, I've just been drawn to it. Um, I think like many throughout the ages, it's, it's Paul's bringing it all together. I love the idea of the heavenly places perspective there that we don't get that mystical, that really larger than life uh, identity, who we are in him and, and how we can, uh, we're to partner with him in the heavenly realms with these blessings and to explore all that. So, um, and it just, everything's there. You know, when you add in Acts 19 and Revelation 2 and, uh, into the rest of the Ephesians story, um, everything's there. It brings yeah. it all together. So That's cool. I mean, I guess the verse we mostly camped out on today, or not mostly, but a big one was, Praise be to God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And that one line, just like every spiritual blessing, like go read through the Bible and write all those down, and it's a pretty mind-blowing list. And when you look at the modern-day follower of Christ, like I think most of us don't take advantage of that list yeah. at all, for sure. And I think if we did, we'd see a very different type of evangelism, different type of lifestyle, I think. Yeah. Um, so maybe let's kind of break that down. What does living in the heavenly places, what are the heavenly places? What is what is that? Yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to, you know, in another week or so, get into that verse in more detail. And then we'll be in it as we, because there, there's five places it, you know, from chapter one all the way to chapter six, that you know, Paul mentions that heavenly places uh, that uh, we'll go deep in. I think it's outline. I think it's really under you know girds this whole thing. Uh, I guess what I would say is I think most of the time <clears throat> we define that heavenly places, those blessings, as the things he just rattles off in that one ongoing sentence of I think it's whatever, 14 verses, that's all one sentence in Paul. <laughs> yes, those are, you know, being chosen, being loved, being set apart, all that. Those are absolutely spiritual blessings. But that's the identity part. The problem we miss is that's just the identity part. The rest of the book talks about how we are to flesh that. What does that look like mm. to live in that reality, right? Mm. Um, and so that's, that's uh, I think, you know, this morning I just wanted to kind of camp out on verse one more. Paul's calling uh, our identity. What's blocking us? What's keeping us, right, from being 
um, all that God saved us to be, right? What does it mean to be a saint? I mean, do we really believe that? Uh, what does it mean to be faithful? He, he called the church out, saints, you're faithful in Christ. And what yeah. does that right, mean to be in Christ? So I think that heavenly places <clears throat> is a beautiful definition of what it means to be in Christ, is that he seated us with him in the heavenly places. That's chapter 2. Chapter 1, he's given us every spiritual blessing. I mean, the access we have is colossal. Chapter 3, it's the church's role now in this world. It's not just for heaven when we get there. It's now the church is to operate um, and uh, be God's uh, kingdom representative here. Uh, And then he goes on there in chapter 3 to say, man, he talks about the access and boldness that we should have into the heavenly realm because of this as a church, right, to carry out God's purposes, his mission right here on earth. That's awesome. And so I guess, yeah, sainthood, I think, is often looked at as something we want to get to, whereas I guess what you're saying is we are saints. Gosh, this is a great point, right? So we we know, you know, in Catholicism and, and, you know, some other strains, this idea of sainthood is something that man deems upon, oh, you, you know, somebody. Uh, It's it's a complete misunderstanding of the idea of holy ones. It is, it is exactly what you just said, Luke, right? Um, It is what God's done. And awesome. anyone that he saves is at that moment, right, a holy one, set so you, apart for him. What are your guys' thoughts on sainthood? And like, what does that word mean to you? How do you, kind of, what are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, I want to answer that question by kind of delineating two uh, spheres. I mean, the physical and the spiritual realm. And, and, and Steve unpacked that some this morning. Um, and I think this whole context is framed in, uh, in an important context. It's, it's modern times and it's a Western belief set from which this discussion is being framed, from which the audience uh, in the congregation today was, in which most of the people that are listening to this podcast will be. And, and what's interesting is is Paul had the context of, one, being the early church times, being 2,000 years ago, and also having not Western thought and ideologies, but but Jewish and and, and the, the history of, of uh, the Jewish culture as his framework for, uh, for speaking to the Ephesians. And, and so the reason I delineate that is, I think we live, and in the modern times and in the Western world, we live in a very physically perceived reality. Like what we see with our eyes, what we can perceive with our senses is the highest reality that that most people understand, interact with, or even believe in. And uh, and God makes it clear throughout Scripture that 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 and this verse points to it so clearly that there is a higher reality that what He says in the Spirit and what He does in the Spirit uh, has authority and it, and He is in charge and He's in charge physically and, and we see Him manifest Himself physically occasionally uh, actually fairly frequently but um, but but the reason I bring that up is, is when asking about sainthood I think yeah that the point that Steve just made about how some strains of faith and Catholicism is an example of that have deemed sainthood to be measured through physical actions and performance, things that you have done that make you a saint based off of your exceptional life of service to Christ or service to his, to his body. And, and it's beautiful that what Paul is, is writing here to the Ephesians and reminding the church is that we've been deemed saints in the spirit realm, but also in, in the physical realm, but not because of something we've done in the physical, but because Jesus came and tore the veil, gives us access to God, seals us with his spirit, and makes us a new creation. We've been made saints because of the fact that we've been saved by that's Christ, good. not because of further actions that we take in the physical realm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And um, I just think that's super important because sainthood isn't earned, nor is it something that you necessarily see, nor is it something you have to like maintain via living a perfect, sinless life as a Christian. It's something God deems upon us and, and, and uh, did that. And again, Paul is writing from this context of understanding in the Old Testament, the Spirit would come on people and rest on them, but then depart from them, that there had to be a high priest that would enter the Holy of Holies in order to 
access God. And everything changed with Jesus in the spirit realm. Again, physically, nothing like changed for Jews. Like they didn't meet God like Moses did in the burning bush. But at the moment Jesus died, suddenly we have access to God. Suddenly he seals with his, he promises to seal to us with his spirit. Not just that he would come on someone and rest and then depart, but that we would be sealed until the day of salvation. So everything in the spirit realm changed. I think that's what Paul is alluding to in, um, and calling us saints. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I just, I love this idea of sainthood because I think in our Western ideology, we think sainthood is so based on like what we do and our behavior, and it's totally not. It's just the word literally means to be set apart by God for God. And it's just the idea of, oh, I'm a sinner saved by grace. It's like, actually, you were a sinner. But now, every time believers are referred to in the New Testament, they're referred to as saints, not as sinners. Um, I just think it's so important that it's like, oh, I'm not a saint today because I I messed up, I sinned. It's, It's really so much less about behavior and more about agreeing with what God has said, agreeing with his identity that he has spoken over us and... It's good. It's that higher reality that you're talking about, right. Jeff. I love that. Yeah, that's really cool. And I think this all ties in perfectly too. I think you know, as the world perceives saints, you know, in general, as someone having close access or relationship to God. Yeah. And that story was so clear. Talking about today, of like, we don't realize how of a, like we are all that. We have that <laughs> access to that relationship, but Yay. often we don't take advantage right. of that. So I, I think that story was really cool. I don't know if you want to yeah. tell it again, but yeah, yeah. That, that, I like that analogy and that personal story, but. Yeah. Just well, to, just, just to, if you the, ask, you receive. Doctor, yeah. 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 yeah I, I mean, I always think of that, that story just, you know, with, uh, started out with <clears throat> Dr. Stanley's as his singles pastor and just being there after about a year, Michelle wanted to have him over for dinner, you know, and I was like, you know, it was hundreds of people on this mega staff. This is when Andy was still there before North Point even. And, and, uh, it was crazy, so she just wanted him over for dinner, and I was like, "No, what?" And anyway, didn't deter her. She <laughs> called his assistant, and sure enough, two days later, he's coming over. You know, and and um, it was amazing. Uh, and it was just, it's just funny the ripples through the rest of the staff. Like, what? What's going on? You know, yeah. but nobody thought they could ask. Yeah, you know, and, and nobody even tried that I know of. You know, type of thing, and um. And so, boy, that's just, you know, as the scripture says, we have not because we ask not. But the access we have, as Jeff, you said, just the, by the blood of Christ, it's torn the veil. The boldness, the access we have to go running into the throne of God is, is amazing. And to take hold of these spiritual blessings, right, that God has for us. Yeah, it's interesting how much that, that word saint is, is an identity and that impacts the the place, the starting point of our thoughts, the starting point of our faith. And in the analogy with Dr. Stanley, I mean, he's obviously it's, it's it's weird to correlate, but but he is God in that example. Like you are a person going to have dinner, like ask him for dinner in the same way we as believers can just ask God for relationship, for conversation, for uh, to have dinner with him. Um, what's interesting is, is is the fellow members of staff are like, man, he is leading this huge movement. I'm just one of the staff members. Like, I don't know, it'd be a huge ask. And And in reality, like, they're, they are co-laborers with him and a ministry to go and reach the, the nations with the gospel yeah. of Jesus Christ. So Dr. Stanley heard an invitation from one of his pastors, mm-hmm. and he was like, sure, you're a singles pastor. I'd love to get to know your family. Comes over for dinner. Super easy. Yeah. But when we start with an identity of, I think he's way over there versus mm-hmm. he's actually just like, he's a staff member. He happens to lead this ministry, but he's, he's a fellow staff member with me and a son of God. Mm-hmm. Same thing with believers. When we perceive ourselves as sinners in need of a Savior, God is so holy, exalted, set apart, can't fathom him. 
and I kind of maybe I'm ashamed. I want to stay away. I don't really know how to have a conversation with him versus I've been called a co-heir with Christ. I've been called a son or daughter. I've been called a saint. God wants to speak with me, be with me, have access to me, has made himself available to me. That starting place of understanding our sainthood mm-hmm. becomes, it is an identity, but it becomes a, a confidence piece. It becomes a, um, a a starting point for us to understand just how much access to God we have in very personal, very real relationship. That's great. Yeah. That's why I love, Steve, the, the approach that you're taking, the heavenly places approach to entering into the book of Ephesians. I think because a big root issue of why we don't understand that we have access to God is because maybe we don't know and we don't ask. But, Jeff, what you're saying is if we understand our position as a saint and as a child of God, then we can easily access God. And I think that question, Steve, that you asked, it's what is holiness back from being who God made us to be and Jesus saved us to be? And I think it's that we don't know where our identity is, children of God. Yeah. And really what he's provided for us and all these spiritual blessings and in the heavenly places that sounds so ethereal, but it's a real thing and we really want to dive into it. And mm. yeah, I just love the idea that we can advance yeah. in our spirituality in knowing who we are in Christ by just realizing yeah. What God has really done for us. That's so good. I, you know, and there's an order. There's a reason why he put uh, your saint yeah. and then faithful. Yeah. Right? So yeah. what you're saying is it wasn't, oh, yeah, you faithful, you know, who are saints? There's a reason why. And what you just said, Lex, right, is it's, it's about knowing who we are in him. Then the faith, it's a result of that that comes the faithfulness. Not yeah. my yeah. faithfulness that's going to short really my good. identity. And this yeah. is what's good so delineation. This is... Uh, you know, we all get hung up in that, you know, and so. Well, and as soon as, as soon as anything in Christianity, especially like earning the status of sainthood becomes dependent on our actions, one, we've eliminated the power of grace on the cross, Absolutely. but also Christianity becomes just like any other world religion. It becomes a law. It becomes a list of rules. Mm-hmm. Paul talks about in, in Romans six that that just is not helpful. That leads right. to not right. because the law leads to death, but because like trying to follow the law does. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, if we're, if we're trying to earn sainthood versus recognizing that it's not us being faithful that makes us saints and then gets us access to God, but God made us saints, giving him access to him and calls us to be faithful and empowers us to do so. Cause again, we don't conjure up faith. Faith is a gift. That's such a cool topic from scripture. And he gives us faith yeah. uh, because we're saints, because we're co-heirs of Christ, because we're sons and daughters, yeah. all the identities he, he gives us in scripture, those are paramount to the starting place from which we perceive Christianity as a relationship and not as a, a rule book. Yeah, and there's almost an equation. I hate to use that word, but, you know, he <laughs> says, you are saints in Ephesus, obviously, who right. are faithful yep. in Christ. Yep. So what it means to be in Christ is we get that order right. Yeah, I'm a agreed. saint mm-hmm. first because of Jesus. My faithfulness is a result of my identity. Mm-hmm. That's what it means to be in Christ. If I change that order, I'm no longer operating like I'm in Christ. Yeah. Right? Um, and that, boy. You're operating in your own power. I'm faithful. Look exactly, at me. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So and it can and lead to a false gospel real quick, right? Yeah. Obviously, yeah. Phariseeism and legalism, all sure. that stuff, right? Sure. I mean, so sainthood, obviously, or to be a holy one, I guess, to make it break it down a little bit more. Obviously, in our culture today, that's not something very commonplace. You know, you <laughs> maybe we're, as you know, we try to be as much as the world to fit in to try to you know maybe be more relatable or whatever. But we're called to be different, I guess, as as to be holy and to be holy in this world. Obviously, just makes you different regardless <laughs> you don't sure. have a choice there set so, apart yeah um <clears throat> what does that look like you know in the church to be different how to look like then has it maybe changed how it looks like now mm. i don't know 
It's a really good question. Yeah, um, <clears throat> again, we've gone, <clears throat> we've gone, uh, you know, the, back to the, the the equation, right? We can easily go to try to put on physical things. I don't do this. I don't do that. I wear this or I don't wear it. all through church history. What the problem that, that the church has done is we put man's traditions. We build yeah. all these other laws like the Pharisees did. We do the same thing in Protestant. We build all these laws, these things that look like this is what it looks like to be holy. Right. And um, <clears throat> that you know creates a whole system, right? Where people are grown up in a denomination or system where they are more, <clears throat> about being faithful to man's tradition than they are, right, the powerful yeah. Word of God. Wow. So that is uh, something that is gotten in the dark ages. We're still in that, and that's still something that impacts the church, right, in a in a really, I think, bad way. So Yeah, I, mean, I completely agree with Steve's response. That's what's, uh, what's tough about your question, Luke, is it's a paramount question to understanding, okay, we, we get the fact that we are saints. That's our identity. Then what? But yeah, what Steve is pointing out is it's difficult to prescribe what it looks like then to act as a saint because mankind's tendencies to put that tradition, that action, the way we um, look or act around people as what it means to be a saint rather than uh, it's going to look different for different people. Uh, I think of an example briefly. Lexa and I went out on a date in Glenwood Springs like two weeks ago, three weeks ago at this point maybe. And our waitress, man, she was da- dancing as she was going to tables. I mean, she would she would <laughs> leave a table and she would kind of spin on her back yeah. heel. And we're like, man, this girl is bubbly. She is lively. She is, she's just joyful. She's different. And, 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 yeah, yeah. and one of the things the Lord has been growing in me in the last several years from First Corinthians um, is the discerning between spirits. And I'm like, that is the spirit of God. Like there, there's fictitious joy. There are sure. counterfeits totally. as well that yeah, that yeah. person wants to be perceived as energetic, mm-hmm. wants to earn a tip. I don't know. But I'm like, man, she's just pleasant. She's just joyful. And we got to chat with her afterwards. She loves the Lord, has a relationship with Jesus. Awesome. We got to pray with her. It was amazing. It was really refreshing to, to find a believer mm-hmm. just like that, that looks like they've been with Jesus. Yeah. And I think, I think the reason I bring that up is in answering your question, Luke, what does it look like then to be set apart, to be a saint? How do we look different to the world? It's going to look different for different people. Cause if we just say dance when you're like on public so that you show the joyful, you prove the joyfulness of the Lord that's in yeah. you. Like the Lord gives us joy. That's a, that's a fruit of the spirit. But that can't be the prescribed action. I think what I sensed from her joy is she's been with God. And people who don't understand their saints, who are still perceiving themselves as sinners, are doing exactly what Steve was saying earlier. They're not asking. They're not going to uh, Dr. Stanley and saying, hey, can we Mm. we grab dinner? But as soon as you recognize you're a saint, God desires to be with you. Mm. And he's opened his throne room for us to be with him. Then be with God. Um, Moses didn't come down from the mountain glowing um, just because... Uh, he had done something. He was with God. I mean, there, there's, there, unless, unless I'm wrong here, there's there's not a verse that talks about an action that he took that then like the glowing started. Mm-hmm. He had been around God. And I know that's that was, again, that was in the physical sense, like they could actually see him glowing. But yeah. but I want that to be a reality for believers mm-hmm. in, in the metaphorical sense, hopefully in the physical too, but in the spiritual sense, like you, like someone looks across the room and they're like, that person's different. Mm-hmm. It could be a, manifest, uh, a, a manifestation of joy. It could be a manifestation of wisdom. It could look different for different people, but but the way that we begin looking different is we start looking like God because he's sanctifying us, and the way we look different by looking like God is we be with God. Yes, and again, that comes back to the first foundation. Are we willing to ask mm-hmm. him to be with us? Or are we willing to go and approach him? Yeah. Well, when we approach him boldly because we know we're saints, then we're going to be with him. If we're sheepish, if we're shy, if we're ashamed, if we're still living in the guilt of our sin, believing that we're sinners, then we're not going to be with God. So I think mm-hmm. know that you're a saint, be with God then you're going to look different from whatever it is that the Lord is manifesting in you. That's awesome. And it correlates to what you said. Our bodies are a reflection of our 
soul yeah. in a sense. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah. I think obviously when people hear that, like, okay, what does that person look like? How would that yeah. reflect their soul? Yeah. But it's also what we do with our bodies that reflect what's right. in our soul, yeah. you know? Right. Yeah. And, and there's not, as you have said, there's not a prescription to that, yeah. right? There's not <clears throat> one way fits it all, right? Yeah, we're, exactly. we're all unique in that. But am I looking? And I think just a practical thing that's helped me, <clears throat> and I think we're such in a culture of focus on self, we in our spiritual formation, this opposite of the church, we have not taught people well how to live under their identity. So for me, just a simple thing is this idea of being set apart is when I see something, when I'm engaged with, when I'm tempted with something, I just try to remember who I am. That's not who I am. I'm set apart, Lord, for you. Mm-hmm. And if I can do that and live under that, with, whether it's seeing things, think, our whole being is to love God, right? Our body, right? Lord, my body is set apart for you, yeah. right? If I'm yeah. tempted, if I'm whatever it is, is Lord, is this pleasing to you, yeah. right? Um, out of my identity, this is who I am. My feelings, if I'm feeling a certain way, Lord, this is not. You've given the fruit of the Spirit, you know. I'm going, and that's deeper water, right, in the sense of spiritual formation. But um, I think to walk under that identity, we just have not taught people how to live outside of self in the radical freedom of being a child of God yeah. and what it is to to live that free. Yeah. Well, that actually sp- it sparks a thought, Lexa, about something you were sharing with me, and I, and I forget who it was that you had heard this from. But, but I'm along, excited to hear this. Uh, 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 along the lines, I want, I want you to say it because you could, you could phrase it better. Um, uh, along the lines of how we perceive someone else when we recognize that they're a saint and when we see them sin, what do, what oh. do we think of their identity? How do we perceive them? Do you, do you remember what I'm talking about? Does that yeah, it was someone who was speaking on this topic. Right. Basically, it's, it's the idea that when we are seeing someone rightly, the way that Jesus sees them, and she, this woman who was speaking, she was talking about, I think specifically sin patterns. Right. Um, she was like, if we're seeing through the lens of Christ, this person's sin is unusual, and it's surprising. Instead of saying, oh, like, here we go again. I know what this is like. That's seeing them through the flesh. But when we, it's, we've been talking so much about recognizing ourselves and our own identities in Christ. I think it's also very important that we create a culture of recognizing everyone else's identity in Christ within the body, because then we can see them rightly. And then when they do something that's, um, maybe sinful or not pleasing to the Lord, that's out, out of, of character. character. Yeah, yeah. Wow, jinx. It's yeah. out of character. Right. Oh, yeah. And so that's and that's a really beautiful way to think about accountability of like, hey, this is out of character for you and and I want to call you higher as a brother or a sister in Christ. Um yeah, I think that's because I see you as a saint. So what you're doing that maybe not uh, in line with how God asks us to live isn't like it's oh, roll, rolling my eyes, like yeah. oh my gosh, you always do this, you're always whatever. It's like man, I mean, I, I don't see you as a sinner who's stuck in the sin cycle. I see you as a saint, and this is not your nature. This is mm-hmm. this is out totally. of character for you to be like this. And it gives us a grace for people. It gives us mm-hmm. God's eyes for them. So yeah, this whole discussion on seeing ourselves as saints, understanding our identity is also super important that we would transpose that to others and look at fellow believers as fellow saints, not as sinners who keep frustrating us when they keep having the same issue and whatever yeah. whatever the thing is that we're yeah. walking with them. Yeah, in 2 Corinthians um, 5, I think it's verse 16, Paul says there in the whole context of being a new creation, he says, we no longer look at people according to the flesh. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so that's pretty much what you're saying, like, or yeah. whoever this person said, is that, man, if I'm a new creation, then my eyes have to be gospel eyes, and I right. need to look. And if something doesn't line up, then 
I'm as a brother or sister, I'm called to kind of go to them, say, hey, brother or sister, not out of judgmental or anything, right. but out of what you're doing is not lining up with who you say you are. Yeah. Let's go. Well, and it's let's, not lining up with who you are. You are a saint. So if you're doing exactly. this, like, exactly. it's not your nature. It's not exactly. your character. It's exactly. yeah. And that is loving truth-telling, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. To, to one another, because that's how we would want to be. Right. Right, treated inside Which the body. Which is totally radically different than the modern Western church approach of, man, you're a sinner, you keep sinning, you have to stop so that you can act more like a saint. Yeah. It's like, no, you are a saint. The right. thing that you happen to do by partnering with the old flesh instead of continuing to partner with who God has made us, which is a new creation in Christ Jesus, um, it, it's just a totally different mindset. Yeah, if we, again, if I focus on the sin, then I'm going to focus on the shame yeah. and all the consequences rather than the solution to that is the gospel. It's who you are, what yeah. God has done for you. Lean into that. And that is going to be covered, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like the difference between thinking about our sin and being sin conscious all the time. That's so self-centered when we, hey, let's look at Jesus. Like, what has he done for us? Like, let's share testimonies. And realizing as we look at Jesus, we become what we behold, right? So it's so important. Being transformed by the renewing Mm -hmm. of our minds, by looking at Christ Mm -hmm. into sainthood. That's something that we'll walk out. Yeah, and so many, if we're saints— then why are we spending so much time focusing on our sin? Right. Yeah. Right. The solution is to focus on the saint. And the the number of programs and and ideas that have crept into the church that put the focus on the sin throughout history, rather than on the identity and what God has done, right. is misleading for people. Yeah. It keeps people in bondage. Actually, it does. It does because it, because it makes Christianity. Uh, again, a lot like I talked about a second ago, but it makes the main goal and the main aim sin mitigation because that makes you look like a saint rather than because I'm a saint, I'm with God, I'm looking at God and God is refining my mind. He's giving me fresh eyes to see as he sees. He's giving me a fresh heart to have compassion like he has compassion. And I look up one year and I'm like, wow, it's been five years since that addiction. Like I've been so enamored with just being with God, being at his church. I was about to say going to worship nights. That's maybe a prescriptive, like that's something fun that I enjoy going, just like spending time at worship for all all hours of the night. But, um, but, but that's not like the, the, the solution, but, but you've been so in pursuit of just knowing God being with him because you're in love with him mm-hmm. that you're just distracted and you're too busy to sin. Like, and you're not worried about like trying to fix the sin as your active that's mindset. So good. And, and the principle here is we can do something. If I focus on the sin, then I can do something. Sure. It puts me into here's, I can do these steps. I can do this program. The problem with that is that I can get caught up in me doing. Yeah, that's true. The solution, though, which we don't want sometimes, when we come to my identity, the creation thing, it it, it gets relational. Mm-hmm. I, it forces me to depend and seek God. And that's where we have to push one another. Is, am I taking time to go to this place, to be with God, to worship God, to hear from God in my identity versus, hey, I just give me some steps. I need some help out of this problem, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And that's the, the culture we've built We've got to lead people to the identity, which means we've got to lead them in relationship. You can work on your sin just with all the psychology, you know, all kinds of, of worldly things there to give you steps to help you with a certain issue. The gospel is different. It's a relational engagement, right? And by faith, I have to go seek the, yeah. the one yeah. who can only heal me, right? I think a good question we can ask ourselves to kind of see where we're at with this is, you know, looking at the cross and thinking, okay, did Jesus die on the cross for me because I am broken? Or did he die on the cross for me so I don't have to be broken anymore and can live out of that brokenness? And I think the people that look at it at like, uh, I am still broken, I am still sinful, they look at heaven as, you know, the end goal, as, you know, the resort, at the retirement kind of thing. Right. It's like, you know, that's the goal to get to. I'm broken now, but once I get to heaven, I will be good. One day, yeah. Whereas when you look at the cross and salvation as 
no, that was the solution. I am now a saint. I am now right. holy. I am so fulfilled. We live our lives not in looking forward to a vacation or an end resort where we can, you know, just die and live or live forever in just peace and harmony. But when you really look into scripture, heaven is, we have jobs there. There's responsibility there and there's authority that is given to us now and there and much higher. So there, I think for some of us, but like you were talking about, we're going to be judging angels and all right. these things. And so we'll we can, get, we'll get to that. Yeah. yeah. That's a big one. That's a big one. And when we can start living our lives almost in preparation for that and growing in that and not just, you know, in our brokenness waiting till we get picked up and we're good. Right. It's such a different life really. Yeah. But, what you're talking about is the promise that Jesus says that he came to give us life and life abundantly or life and life to the fullest. And then he teaches us to pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So rather than this waiting game, like, yeah, Jesus did come, but life's still hard. There's still brokenness. I still sin. I'm still a sinner. This kind of stinks for now. It's actually God came that I would experience basically the promises that we see that heaven looks like. I would experience those on earth now by walking with him. I would have full access to him. I would have the promises of his power and his gifting and his wisdom because James says we can ask for wisdom and he's faithful to give it without finding fault. Like all the different things that we would, we would, we would imagine the beauty of heaven to be like, he wants us to have that now. And and that's one of my favorite, favorite promises of scripture is life and life abundantly is his promise for us here right now. Yeah, I think not only is it life and life abundantly, but the realization that we have hope now. And I think even further than like we get to experience everything that we recognize we have as an inheritance from God. I I think it's more of like a commandment to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Like Jesus says to go and like tell people that the kingdom is near. And how do we know that the kingdom is near? Well, we see things like what Jesus did in scripture. We see people getting healed and we see the dead being raised and we see just the the evidence of the Holy Spirit really working in people's lives. And if we don't think that we have access to God, we don't think that we have life, we don't think that we have hope, how on earth are we supposed to bring the kingdom of heaven near? That sounds really impossible. But when we realize who we are and the inheritance that we have in Christ, which is every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, then we're like, oh, suddenly this doesn't feel so hard. It feels like a natural outflow of looking at Jesus and living with him. The kingdom will come near because of that. That's good. And you're talking there about raising the dead, you know, all these things that aren't, they're physical, but they're fulfilled through the spiritual in a sense. And you were, we were talking about how, you know, Westerners were were timid, were fearful of the supernatural and all this thing. So, I mean, what's the solution to that fear? Like, how how do we combat that? Because that is keeping us away from so much testimony, from so much living mm. in the heavenly places, I think. That's a really great question. Um, and if you have the answer, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I was I, punting that one to Steve. It, it, he yeah, got it, right? I mean, it is, I think, and I think that's where I was trying to get with this thirst, third point of challenging us all, like, what's keeping us from being all of God, is really evaluate our soul. And is there a secret aversion, right, to the supernatural? And that means, is there a secret aversion to the uncomfort that comes when those realms are open to us? I think right? that's major. Yeah, yeah. And, and to break that down, um, boy, it's going to take a united leadership that just presses in, right, and is unified and goes, stands on the Word of God and trusts the Lord. Um but it's going to take, I think, I just know some people, it's going to take some walking alongside some people too. And I think 
having the wisdom of God to call out. You know, we have this whole cessationist and continuationist battle going on today, and man, we need to we need to have some more healthy, deep conversation. I think about about all that. You know, um, it's tough. It's tough when you have whole denominations and whole churches, influential churches, that deny the, the things of the Spirit in many ways, right? Yeah. And do everything they can do to keep things under control as such, And right? I think that's the word control, right, is whenever we turn it over from the physical to the supernatural, we're giving up control in a sense. It's not—we can—I think we can have control in the supernatural, obviously, but we're not trained in that, and we don't know that, so we don't have control in the supernatural, so we're fearful of it. Right. Because as Westerners, I mean, we live to have control in a sense. You know, we live mm-hmm. to make money. We're a slave to having control in a sense. Mm-hmm. And so giving that up is scary. Yeah. Um, but whether in the cessationist denominations or in, in, in our own faith, in our own daily life, in our own practices, how many of us are praying, search me, O God, and know my heart, test me, mm-hmm. see if there's any offensive way of me? Like, like if we... If we have a secret aversion to spiritual things, whether we're, we fully believe that God doesn't still move, whether we fully believe that earth is just going to be terrible until heaven and that's when everything gets fixed, I think regardless, uh, the, the symptom is still the same of us not being with God and seeking that he would correct our hearts and guide our paths. Yeah. Um, and yeah. a, a, an example, an anecdote of something we could pray to see God. Yeah. What were you going to say, Alexa? That's good. I was just going to say, here's the thing. If we understand the character and the nature of God, He is so good. Like, oh my goodness, Holy Spirit is such a good leader. Mm -hmm. So if we are actually letting him lead, then we don't need to be afraid to give a control. One, he's way better at leading and doing anything that we were going to try to do. But like, he's so trustworthy. Like, God is so trustworthy. And if he's asking us to desire spiritual gifts or to bring the kingdom of heaven near, like, I want to trust that when I asked God, God for bread, that he's not going to give me a stone, that he's actually going to give me bread. I think so much of it is remembering what he's done so that at the end of the day, you can still say he is still good and he is still faithful and recognizing like, as I build history with God, as I look at God continually, I'm learning more about his nature and character. And therefore I can trust him with these more mystical things or things of the supernatural. But if we're if we're actually letting the spirit lead rather than going to other sources for spiritual power, then we can trust that he's a really good leader. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah boy. That's okay. Amazing. Maybe, maybe that circles back to uh, I, I, I'm picturing myself sitting on a couch or sitting in a front seat of a car right now, listening to this podcast. And I think we started <laughs> with the idea of we're saints. We have to understand our identity. It fundamentally changes the way we perceive what our role is and what our identity is as believers. And it changes whether we begin like trying to fulfill the law, trying to do things on our own and become self-righteous instead of recognizing that we have access to God instead of asking all, all those different things. And I think some of the consensus here was like understand our identity first and then be with God and 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 let Holy Spirit lead and be sure that we're like letting him search our hearts, all those different things. So so maybe the maybe the question for the practical, for the application, for the for the people that are listening, and, and I want to hear this from Steve, the, mm. the man with decades more wisdom than I've even been alive, mm. from Luke and from Lexa who have had different experiences with God than me. What does it look like to be with God? Because if that's the syllogism we've come to is we have to understand our identity. That's what Paul is starting with in Ephesians of you are saints and you are you have been made faithful because you're saints, not that your faithfulness has made you saints. And then, and then we recognize that in order to be sanctified, we've been justified in Christ, but we need, to be, we need to be daily sanctified, be made to look like Christ because he wants to do that. He wants to do that refining work on our hearts. What does, I guess, what does time with God look like? What does it look like to come down a mountain glowing like Moses yeah. did? How do we 
how do we steward that? How do we seek that? How do we desire that? What does it look like on a daily basis? Mm. I mean, besides just like read the word as a checklist, like I read my one chapter of my Bible mm. because even that can be self-righteousness if I did the right action as a believer. That might be part of it, reading the Bible, but, but what are y'all's thoughts on how do we be with God? How do we steward what we should do as, when, yeah. as, as soon as we understand our identity as saints? a big question huge question um i i just i think a couple things simply um somebody has to show us somebody has to lead us you're talking about discipleship here well yeah uh somebody has to show us the presence of god somebody has to lead us into the presence of god somebody Mm -hmm. has to give testimony to us of come you know with me let's talk about this let's pray together let's work the whole context of why church is so critical it's the body of christ if we understand our identity gathered jesus says i'm there and it is in the gathered bodies that of Christ that his, we learn how to be in his presence. Yeah. That should impact my desire when I'm alone in the morning that I want to be with him. Yeah. You know, and those should feed off one another. The corporate time together and little pockets together and then my personal time. I need all those. But somebody's got to... And then we get dry and a whole church can get dry. So we need little flames, right? I mean, this is revival. There's yeah. always flames of people who, whether it's a worship leader or it's a pastor, whether it's just someone in the body who's who's sick of just deadness and who it rises... Says, let's chase God. Yeah, let's chase, yeah. let's chase him. Let's go for this, yeah. right? It's It's... It's, hey, let's go to prayer meeting. Let's press in. Let's plead before God, right? It's that awakening, right, that sparks God's hand. That's a great answer, man. And, and I love that you said they feed off of each other, the corporate and the, and the individual setting, that we would come to a Sunday morning, if that's the you know what we do in the West, but a, a corporate meeting, we would come filled up. We would come having been with God all week, and we're full ready to minister to our co-congregants. And, and, and back to what Lex is with great expectations. Yeah. Oh, God, what are you going to do today? Yeah. I mean, how many people show up that like that? God, what are you going to do? I, I can't wait. Miracles, yeah. I expect you to engage. What are you going to do in my life? And what are you going to? How are you going to use me with my gifts? Because that's his character. Right. Because we've seen him do it. Because we've heard testimonies. Like, why would we have that expectation? Yeah. But it's actually we have that expectation because that's actually who he is. So good. good. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Wise answer, Steve. Uh, no. Well, I guess I'll give a little. Answer yeah. What you got, too. Luke? Um, well, since we're in a car, I guess we'll compare it to a GPS. I don't know. But okay. if you can look at like, you know, say you have a destination, especially now we're terrible at getting places without our <laughs> GPS or yeah. phone, right? So there's nowhere we're getting somewhere without it that we don't really know. Um, so, I mean, that's, you can, in a way, look at life, like living life without a GPS. You aimlessly be driving around until you finally maybe got there um, or not at all. But if you have the Holy Spirit guiding you in this analogy being the GPS, It'll take you right there, but sometimes it'll, you know, we, sometimes the GPS will take us to like off a random road. Like, why the heck is it taking <laughs> me here? This can't and, be right. And only like a few hours later, maybe a few minutes later, we realize it, it drove us around a huge traffic jam yeah, or it, it yeah. did something like that. So sometimes it seems when we follow the Holy Spirit and God that it's not the streamlined path, that it's the hard path, when in reality it's really the best way of getting us to a certain place. And yeah. if we can live in that trust, it's always so funny too when you see older people using a GPS and they're like, oh, this thing's wrong. I know much better. And then we end up like five hours late because we did some dumb thing, right? You can live your life like that. At least you still have a GPS here. It's going to help you. Or you can fully Trust. rely yeah. on it. And I'm not telling to fully rely on your GPS and your technology, but in this analogy. <laughs> but when it's always period, yes, yeah. fully rely on God. Exactly. I agree with you there. Yeah. So, what do you think, Lexa? That's good. I mean, the first thing I thought of was other than like spiritual disciplines, reading the Bible, because as you said, that stuff can be totally a checklist. 
For me, I just love inviting the Holy Spirit into everything that I'm doing, like, every day. Like, if I'm making breakfast, I'm like, good morning, Holy Spirit. Like, what do you think today? Like, what do you want to do? What do you think about me? Um, As I go through my day, I'm like, will you help me do this? My favorite prayer ever is Holy Spirit help because (laughs) I really need it in everything. And so I just, those are like small little examples, but um, to be with God is like, I don't want to just be with him for a little bit of time in the morning. Like I, I want him all day, every day. Like I want to be near him. Like the same way I get so excited when Jeff comes home from work, I'm like, I missed you all day. Like I like being near you. Even if we're not even, like, I don't know, doing anything important. We're just sitting on the couch or something. It's like to be in the presence of God the same way I would be in the presence of Jeff, like my husband. Like, I I love just being near to God, and I think he loves the invitation. So Absolutely. He does, he does love the invitation. Well, any last words? Because I think we'll, we'll wrap it up here in a little bit. But Everyone happy? God okay. wants to be with us. I'm I don't know. I mean, yeah. he made us saints so that we would know our identity and Amen. know that we would be welcome to his throne room. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening and tuning in. Um, yeah, just I think I think the call to action here is just living our lives, not waiting it out, but living it out. Um, maybe, you know, seek the heavenly places, seek the heavenly things, um, yeah. and come back in community because that's really where we all grow and thrive. So, yeah. And I will just add in closing, yeah. back to what Jeff said, chasing God, find someone. Mm-hmm. If you want to, if you want to advance in your passion for God, find someone mm-hmm. who's passionate about God. Get close so to them, good. right? Get close to them, and um, yeah, that's how it works. It's good Amazing. word. We'll see you guys in the next one. I need to get below the surface.